This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Podcast is available for you uh, online anytime. You just go grab it. You can go to your favorite podcast platforms and download it. On The Shift Podcast, how about how to not be a politician? We've heard an awful lot about politicians doing this and traveling here and whatever. So I thought we would create a bit of a reference point for how to not be a politician. With some great examples brought to us by politicians. Greg Fish, worldofweirdthings.com. He joins us on the podcast too. Social media isolation, a little bit about loneliness. It's something that you're going to want to hear because all of us are affected with everything going on through COVID. Plus, Ryan O'Donnell's, in case you missed it, all on the Shift podcast. How to be a politician? Nay, nay, my friends. How not to be a politician? That's where we're going with this because that's what we're seeing. This is not a conversation about should we be on vacations and, and all of these pieces of the puzzle. This is, a, this is an education for everybody. How not to be a politician. That's what we're learning from these people. That's what we learned from the Premier of Alberta. How to be completely cold and not know the crowd, not know the audience. Read the room, if you will, on a Friday. This is not a news story that just came up on Friday. This is a story that's been going on for about a week bubbling in the background and blew up when you said what you said on Friday. Then come Sunday, there seems to be some conversations. And Monday, not in front of a camera, but a Facebook post. So these are different ways how not to be a politician. 2020 was wild. Not only this one, as uh, Dwayne Bratt so eloquently called it last night, the 2020 political encore. Um because that's really what it was. I don't want to call this the start to 2021, he said. He says, I would like to think this is 2020's encore. So here's a list of a few very real moments that teach wannabe politicians how not to be a politician. I know that you've thought about it. You've thought, you know what? This job I have, I want to, if, if that doorknob can do it, I can probably do it. Yes, you can, I say. I say, yes, you can. You can lead this country. So here are a couple of pieces that we need to learn from before we set you on your way. Call me your consultant, setting you up for your career in politics. First up, our very own prime minister teaches us the opposite of speaking normally. Okay, these are the things, the things we know that prevent you from speaking moistly. Speaking moistly. Speaking moistly. Speaking moistly. Two meters apart. Speaking moistly. The the big part of this is I want you to succeed as a politician in Canada. I will be your Gerald Butts. You know, without the whole hypocritical, by the way, I'm involved in all kinds of green organizations, then pretend not to be. And I get involved in scandals and then come back later working for the same guy under a different title. No, I don't mean it from the, 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 that part of it. I just mean it more from the, I'll always be there. Your shadow. I got your back. You know, I don't want to be like Gerald Butts. So how about ethical decision-making? Well, there was some lessons in ethical decision-making from the prime minister in 2020, like a mea culpa from the Prime Minister today. Justin Trudeau addressed reporters for the first time since his family's ties to the WE charity came to light. The charity was awarded a multi-million dollar contract to administer the Summer Student Grants Program. Abigail Beeman has more on the apology and the change in tone from Ottawa. Weeks after questions about WE began, the Prime Minister now says he shouldn't have been involved in cabinet conversations about granting WE a nearly billion-dollar contract. I made a mistake in not recusing myself immediately from the discussions, given uh, our family's history. And I'm sincerely sorry. His family's history includes $312,000 paid to his mother for speaking events over the past four years, $40,000 for his brother, and a $1,400 payment for his wife in 2012. Just saying, a couple of lessons, things you're going to need to know. By the way, if your mom's making money from an organization, don't give them a billion bucks. If your brother's making money from an organization, don't give them a billion bucks. Or if you're going to give them a billion bucks, just be like, here, give these guys a billion bucks. 
I'm not going to vote on this because it could get me in trouble, but still give them a billion bucks. Anyway, they did not give them a billion bucks. That's the good news. Uh, Not for a lack of trying. How about this, though? Now, this is technically not really a politician per se, but it certainly is a um, high profile position inside the government. The governor general of Canada is not supposed to be politicized in any way. It's not supposed to be. In 2020, we learned clearly it can be. All you have to do is smirk. Anyway, um, this is a good lesson, I think, for all leaders to know how to treat your employees. All is quiet at the residence of the governor general. A stark contrast to what some former employees have described as a toxic atmosphere inside Rideau Hall. The vibe, the, you know, the, the stress, the constant barrage, the, uh, it was just, it was unbearable. One former employee agreed to speak with us on the condition they remained anonymous, but their experience echoes reports of alleged abusive treatment by both Governor General Julie Payette and her secretary Assunta Di Lorenzo, who also happens to be Payette's longtime friend. When they were together in meetings, they would gang up together. Uh, they would uh, they would barrage people. The former employee says they'd see someone leave Di Lorenzo's office crying at least once a week. The Privy Council office says it will conduct a thorough, independent, and impartial review to examine the concerns raised by past and current employees of the office of the secretary to the governor general. In a statement, Payette welcomed the review, saying she is deeply concerned with the media report. She wasn't the only one deeply concerned with the media report. But here's the good news, is that when you look at the legacy, the legacy, 400 years, 300 years, the beautiful legacy of the Governor General of Canada. Absolutely, living into that legacy. Bullying and yelling and smirking. Hey, look, we're here to take care of you. Let's do uh, let's do a couple of more quick ones here. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back. How about the hot topic of the week this week? Traveling. When is it okay to take a vacation when you're in public office? Well, for example, there are a couple of examples here, just in case you forgot, when not to take a trip. The Premier says his chief of staff, Jamie Huckabee, has agreed to step down. Tracy Allard has resigned from Cabinet as Municipal Affairs Minister. Jeremy Nixon resigned as a Parliamentary Secretary, and Jason Stefan stepped down from Treasury Board. Tanya Fur, Pat Rain, and Tani Yao have all lost their roles on legislature committees. It feels like the announcement he should have made last Friday. Pollster Janet Brown says the scandal transcends politics and the public anger won't easily pass with time. Is he going to lose the election in two years? It's way too early to say. But the events of the last three days have definitely made it more challenging for him. The Premier is fielding criticism from across the political spectrum. The NDP say this is too little too late. They want the Premier to account for all of his MLAs and staffers. On the right, prominent Conservatives like Dave Rutherford also spoke out. I do hope that the UCP has realized that they have come out of touch with Albertans. Rutherford also took to Facebook over the weekend to express his disappointment and that the premiers demolished his credibility. It's arrogant, demeaning and immoral for elected representatives to thumb their lofty noses at the rabble preaching to us from Hawaii, no less, to stay home and hunker down, he wrote. The demotions help, but he still wants to hear from the premier through something other than a Facebook post get eye to eye with Albertans and sincerely apologize without reading notes, just staring us in the eye and saying, man, we blew this. Meaning Premier Kenny hasn't put this behind him just yet. Tom Vernon, Global News. (laughs) Uh, By the looks of it, though, here's the good news. If you did want to run for politics and you did want some support from the shift to be, you know, your advisors in all of that, there seems to be a lot of positions coming available. Get your resume ready. Um, before we uh, take off here and finish up this hour, I did want to play one more clip from our uh, our how to not be a politician clip. It's from when the prime minister went to the House of Commons. It was feeling rather peckish and broke an interesting rule and got called on it. It's rising on a point of order. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, uh, Mr. Speaker uh, we all know that the rules of the House do not permit us to eat in this place. Uh, and I can't help but observing that during the last vote, uh, a number of people were 
uh, eating uh, in their seats, uh, including the Minister of Defence, the Minister of Canadian Heritage, and the Prime Minister, who appeared to be hiding a bagel in his desk. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister is already staying in this place with corruption. He does not need to stay with mustard as well. It was a chocolate bar, but I apologize. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Member for Lanark Front and uh, Kingston. And I remind members that food is not permitted in the chamber. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, hey, uh, the, the best part, so that is like old school House of Parliament in England confrontation. I miss those. I love watching right? those videos. Those guys are so well prepared and so good with the burn that it's, it's entertaining to watch. It's it an art is. form for them. It is. Um, is a, I think he's got a bagel at his desk. He's got enough stains <laughs> on his shirt. He doesn't need mustard too. Like, oh my God. Yes, stains with corruption. <laughs> so part good. of that one was how to be a politician. The other part was how not to be a politician. All mixed up in one. Uh, for you uh, there. Derek says, I'll throw my resume in for the Minister of Inappropriate Vacations. Thank you very much for that. I just want to let you know that your application has now been received. Uh, Shane, you've got me interested in politics. How's uh, this? Ask what, not what you can do for your country, but what you can do for yourself. <laughs> James <laughs> in Vancouver. Oh, all right. That's well, a good one. It, it's been, um, it's been a bit of a turn here. It, uh, my challenge to us as the Shifthead family is this. Don't let it go. We don't have to dwell on it. We don't have to keep beating a, the dead horse here. We know what it is. We watch now. We get to watch how they recover. Will the Premier of Alberta come up and actually get in front of a camera and, and hold himself accountable to this? And what will happen? Who will be held accountable and who do we vote for? Well, we're finding out who we don't vote for in some cases. That's for sure. And it crosses all political parties, my friends. This is not a political statement, but it's time to reevaluate. In Winnipeg, it's Lori. Hey, Lori. Hey there, Shane. How are you? Um, I'm calling because, like, I am mad. Mm. And I'll tell you, and you know why I think this has really got the backs of Canadians up? Like, I was saying to your screener there, like, you know, like the big government scandals, I don't care who it is, Harper, Kretchen, Trudeau, previous Trudeau, any of them are American <laughs> Other <presidents>. Trudeau. <laughs> we all have, they, they all have them, right? Like, yeah, they do. And they, and they all, but because it's like, you know, here in Canada, it seems like it's an Ottawa story. It's removed personally from my life. I can read the paper and be disgusted or whatever, but does it affect me? No. Mm. Um, this is more like personal, I think, for every Canadian because we've yeah. all, or the vast majority of us, have taken these steps to, to try and protect ourselves and others. People are dying. I just had a friend, 60 years old, otherwise healthy, that died on Christmas Day oh, of COVID. Um, so we're... we're <laughs> We're taking all these steps, and then this is more like a real stab in the back to me compared to like the the more major scandals of whatever administration. I don't care who it is. Well, let's break it down into one other thing that's that I think that becomes more simple, Laurie. Is that so? Here's what's happened. Many of us have made sacrifices and we say that and then it's a mile wide right like what are the sacrifices Lori made what are the sacrifices that shane made i mean everyone's sacrifices are different but it's a million miles wide so yeah. let's break it down and bring it into this there are people out there who own businesses that have spent extra money on, on ppe they brought in extra staff to have someone at the door to count the people who come in there are small business owners that have done so many amazing things to stay afloat and not only that but to keep their people employed and then there are other people that have accepted that my job so i there's a friend of mine his name's oliver and he had left he worked in the um consulting inside like concerts and uh, event stuff right. and he left his job he'd been there for almost 20 years and he started his own company in january and so now he's he he probably would have lost his job because the old company clearly wasn't working with no events to do but he stepped out on his own so he has also just accepted the fact that my dream is on hold today and he's working just a job 
not in his preferred field or his education or his expertise, but he's just working. And he's made those sacrifices too. And he's trusted that, tell you what, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to play nice in this little sandbox. And then once this is all clear, I'm going to chase my dream again. People have trusted and made those sacrifices. And then that trust gets broken. And I well, think that this specific stories like that, Lori, are the ones that people get. They're the ones that, that, that well, that's why you said it's personal. That's, and that's my point is because I think some of the, like the, the large government scandals, and I'm not going to pick on Trudeau or Harper or any of them because they all have them in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, those are somewhat removed. It's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like they're does, real does, and they're terrible. It feels different. Yeah, it's just um, a story. And they happen, but maybe I'm cynical or jaded or whatever, and it's like, ah, they all do it, you know, yeah. what else is new kind of thing. But yeah. this seems just, it's personal. Yeah. And uh, it's for, personal. It is And it's personal, personal for everyone, for, 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 like you say, your friend, other people have lost work, people have died, people are, even, you know, people that haven't lost their jobs, they're still not gathering, they're still, you know... <laughs> not going shopping with their families. They're not having get togethers, this kind of thing, you know, like they're not, and they're not traveling. Yeah. And as for that one MLA from Alberta, I mean, to say something is stupid, this is a family tradition for 17 years to go oh, to Hawaii. Well, like how nice crazy. for your family. Well, there's another part in there, that story where the premier says that she was involved on video conferencing uh, and was working while she was away. Um, so a, first of all, why just go on the damn vacation B um, if it's, if you're interacting that way on calls and stuff, I mean, in today's world of zoom calls or team calls or whatever it is that you're doing, wouldn't it seem weird that someone's in a different place? Well, like you can't would, tell me that you don't know this is going on. It, it, it's weird. And it's like, you know, of course it's weird, but I mean, when she said something about that being her family tradition, well, you know what my family tradition is on Christmas and just about, you know, anyone who celebrates that holiday or any other holiday, whether, you know, Hanukkah, whatever, right. is to be with their families. And none of us did it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. For us, it was simple. I mean, we, we go bowling. I mean, we're, a, we're a, we co-parent, right. As, as, as divorced a couple. And yeah. the one thing that I'm, my kids always look forward to is that we all come back together again on Christmas Eve and we have dinner and we go and we go bowling together. Clearly we couldn't do that in Alberta because the bowling alleys are closed, you know, so, but we, we couldn't do those things. So it doesn't have to be anything extravagant either. It well, can be the exactly smallest it. of little it's things. Like my little family, we, we skipped our little get together that we have. It's nothing fancy. It's just fun. And I got together and we skipped it this year. And then we've got to listen to this, uh, I won't say the word on the radio. Person. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> say, uh, you know. Easy, big fella. Uh, you know, uh, whatever, you know, family tradition in Hawaii for the last 17 years. It's like, oh, my God, come on. Like, how out of yeah. touch is that? Thank you very much for the call. Do you know, because um, my understanding that I can see around Winnipeg, around your lockdown stuff, is it till further notice? Because it was December 11th when it all went in. Is there an end date coming close for you guys? It's supposed to be January 8th. And then yeah. I think it's going to be updated any day here, obviously. Should be any day. Okay, yeah. So I thought it was pretty close to us. Thanks very much for the update, Lori, and thank you for sharing your heart with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. At this time, every single Monday, we go south, way south. In fact, I'm curious because he is in California, and California's COVID numbers are um, through the roof. Uh, we got to get started with uh, the intro here for Mr. Greg Fish. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Happy New Year to you, Gregor. I, um, I, um, I, uh, I'm glad to have you here. How you doing? How's your New Year? How you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I'm just glad 2020 is over. Bring on the fresh new hell. <laughs> the, the new version of hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's liven up a little bit. Let's get some locusts up in this joint. Come on. Nice. How are you doing down in California? Things in your neck of the woods are not good. No, they 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 really aren't. Um, but uh, that that could be a whole different segment. To be completely honest, there's just really eh? a lot of there's just a lot of things that are happening right now uh, over which uh, we don't have a whole lot of control, and uh, it's not fun to to think about. To be honest. Mm. Well, here we are. We are through the holiday season, uh, you know, where you are. Things are, are getting really bad with COVID. 
Um, it's been hard on everybody. People are staying home. January typically is a difficult, difficult mental health month for everybody. Um, and, um, and the conversation about social media and the impact of that comes up. It came up for me when chatting with my daughter. Um, the conversation of filters and everything on social media and that everything that they see on social media is not good. Uh, teenage, uh, teenagers in general, teenage girl, they go through an awful lot of what they see online and um, what they hear online. And not only all that, but really, you know, like I, we had the explanation that you have to understand that these famous people that you see pictures of, you know, they get up in the morning and then they have someone does their hair, like they cut it even and shape it and style it and dress them and everything else. And then they go out and then they get their pictures taken and then the pictures get doctored and then they get put on Instagram and they get filtered again. It's causing, you know, real problems in general, which I find ironic because in the world of where magazines are now doing the non photoshop covers, but yet everything online is incredibly photoshopped. Social media in general is really crushing people's souls, man. It absolutely is. But the problem really comes in where social me- I grew up with social media. Like I'm young enough where I was still a kid when social media was really just taking off. And I remember that it was a way to augment our lives. That's kind of where we found out where the, where the next party was. Um, that's where we th- we found out who was friends with who and met friends of friends that we wouldn't necessarily meet. Um, and it was it was really supposed to be an addition to our lives. It wasn't supposed to be the whole thing. We weren't supposed to sit there and scroll all day long through our feeds. That's not that's not what it was intended for. That's not what it was designed to do. And now normally I am, you know, since I'm an engineer, I usually tend to dismiss a lot of things that people say about, well, social media is changing the way that we think and social media is changing the way that we do things. Uh, well, yeah, of course, things change. That's that's how life is. Um, and uh, especially when it comes to people coming out and saying, well, you know, we really need to talk to each other more and social media causes depression. Uh, my curmudgeon instinct is to say, well, you know, you, you're, you're probably using social media wrong. You, it's, it's really all comes down to the user. But having read a number of studies that have come out over the last five years, um, I have to kind of uh, begrudgingly bite my tongue and say, actually, those people do act, do have a point. Uh, because as it turns out, if you use social media more than a couple hours a day, you're at higher risk of depression and feeling lonely, and feeling isolated. And the only way to really combat that is to get off social media after a couple hours and to actually interact with someone, to talk to someone. Um, now, obviously, in COVID times, it doesn't necessarily mean go out and socialize, but at least, you know, make a phone call. And when it comes to millennials and when it comes to um younger generations. We are not big fans of phone calls. We are uh, partially because a lot of phone calls nowadays are scams. Um, We don't really expect a lot of phone calls. We don't, we feel like phone calls are an imposition on someone's time. Uh, But it turns out that according to these studies, the phone calls take a lot less time than we think. They're a lot more welcome than we think, and they make you feel better and more connected. Um, and then, so if if Zoom isn't an option or or if Skype isn't an option, a phone call is just as good. One of my favorite things to do back in the days when we could go on vacation was always go to a local pub. And I don't mean like go to the the, the cookie cutter box chain pub. I mean, go to a local pub, like ask somebody, hey, what's the best, you know, local place to go? And even in Hawaii, I mean, that was one of my favorite things to do on vacation in Hawaii was not to go to the typical pubs that you would see, you know, the touristy ones, but try to go to a place that's a little bit of a hole in the wall and sit down and just ask questions and introduce yourself and um, and just meet people. Now, in today's world, we can't do that. So it does make sense, Greg, how people are turning to social media for the content, the entertainment, the news, the friendship, the companionship, and all of the things all in one spot. I would argue that right now we can't do that because of COVID. That's absolutely true. But when this ends, when we get it back under control, when we can when we can go out 
that's definitely that's definitely a good strategy. And like you said, hole in the wall places are some of the most fun places you'll ever meet. Like one of my favorite places that I've ever been in my entire life was this micro bar in a tiny little alley in Tokyo. And um that was that was one of the most fun nights I've I've ever had. And uh, you know, I obviously not everyone can not everyone's privileged enough to, to to travel everywhere uh they want to travel but if you can figure out a way to kind of broaden your horizons and get out there and see new people you absolutely need to do that because that's another that's really another thing that that contributes to a lot of um political divides that we see today uh people have sorted themselves um in you know little enclaves and the reason for that is mostly it mostly has to do with jobs it mostly has to do with opportunity it mostly has to do with um where we want to live and what we want to do but also where we're actually able to put our skills um to good use and make a living um but at the same time uh because we are not getting out as much um and we're not making time for getting out as much we're kind of just isolating ourselves a lot and and that does lead to that does lead to a lot of miscommunications that leads to people drifting uh drifting apart because really when it comes to communication you don't have to necessarily agree with the person that you're talking to um again according to a number of studies what really matters is the fact that you can talk to another person and you feel like that person is actually there and listening and is an actual person and not some some collection of bits and bytes to which you're throwing out your opinions and you're waiting for a cliche response back because let's be honest that that's what happens you know half the time at least when you're when you're talking on social media well and not only that now all of the apps even have the suggested responses to save you time right if you're on linkedin and you comment on you can open up you know congratulations to ryan on his work anniversary you can say congratulations on your work anniversary, hit the button and you're done. Like you don't even have to push send anymore. And it gives you the things to say. So we're not even saying those things anymore. I mean, yeah, LinkedIn is it's gone from being fake to faker to faker. But he does it on Outlook as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of communication at this point has become very scripted and we've allowed a lot of AI tools to handle a lot of the niceties. Uh, which is which is a problem because it's the, those niceties actually make up a big part of our um, interpersonal communication. Uh, honestly, I'd rather send nothing and talk to the person directly because um, otherwise they're just getting a cliche response, and I, I feel like that's that's worse than nothing because they know yeah. that I, I I I did the absolute bare minimum and didn't even think about it uh, because I, they they have the same option. I had um I had that happen to me where I had done something with someone I was working with and I had shared a message to them and said, Hey, um, you know, thanks for covering my butt. And the response came back from, from my, my colleague. And she said, she's like, no, but thank you for the opportunity. And I was like, Oh man, that's incredibly kind. You know, I thought this was really great. What a nice way to deal with that. But then I found out as I was a few weeks later, as I was writing in my outlook that someone had written something and then thanks for the opportunity came up as a suggested response. And I was like, oh, son of a gun. Like that wasn't even, I totally, it changed my perspective of that person. I was like, yeah. this lady is, uh, her name was Leanne. And Leanne was like, I mean, like, and she, she was a pretty kind person anyway. And I was like, this is great. She's the best. Da, 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 da. And then I saw it was just a cookie cutter response. I had to really reevaluate. Well, you know, was this fake? Did she mean it? Did she actually mean that? But she clicked it because that was the thing she wanted to say. And I went through this whole spiral of what ifs, which was just terrible and i could see how sort of all of those pieces of the puzzle start to come back to the the core of your topic which was the mental health i don't know impacts of the social media relationships and you know if that's kind of the kind of communication you're getting at work um that's also one of the reasons why a lot of people are tuned out i mean the the survey numbers for how many workers around the world are engaged are absolutely abysmal but that's another one of the reasons why you know everything is scripted um, they're, they're filing TPS reports all day. There's a lot of jobs out there that are fairly monotonous spreadsheet manipulation. Um, and people know it and people don't 
like it. They don't want to do it, but they feel like they don't have a choice. And now they can't even get an honest response out of people. And of course, you, you do have the more old fashioned executives who insist on bringing people into the office to communicate and collaborate and to, and to have a lot of face to face meetings. Of course, the problem with that is, you know, if you're just meeting with people face to face, a lot of times you're not getting that much work done because you're trying to come up with this, with a decision. And if your job is to actually execute work and then to just come up with decisions on what work needs to be done and, and how it needs to be prioritized, nothing's actually, nothing's actually happening. And then you have more meetings to find out what the work isn't getting done. So you see it becomes this, this bizarre spiral. There's definitely a balance that needs to be struck. People need flexibility. Uh, they don't need to be in the office eight hours a day. That's just not the world we live in anymore. Um, but they also, but at the same time, they do need a place to be able to come and talk to their coworkers face to face and, and have more honest exchanges and have less scripted stuff and have the cultures of their company encourage communicate, just open, honest communication between people. Uh, because that, that not only helps people feel like they're actually being noticed, like they're part of a community, that they actually belong in the company. Uh, it also helps them understand their coworkers better and improves team cohesion. Um, and on top of that, it also allows people to raise ideas that can actually become something greater than the sum of their parts and, and get that, that boost in, in innovation, in employee morale that everyone is looking for. And and posting stuff on social media about how, oh, we're, we're one big family and having hiring people to sit on social media on day and promote your brand, um, and encouraging people to just, you know, use the, um, default responses, you know, that, that, that doesn't work. That simply doesn't work. And even, even worse, people learn those kinds of habits, um, and they take them back into their daily lives. And then they're texting their friends or they're using the default responses in the emails. And then they're wondering, well, why am I so lonely and why am I disengaged and why am I scrolling through this social media app that I don't even really like anymore, but I'm on here because I don't know, reasons. And then everyone wonders, well, why are we, why are we so depressed and why are we so lonely? And why are we so isolated? Well, you have to you have to put the app down every once in a while. You you have to. It's just it's not our brains don't work that way. It's not even the technology. It's just our minds simply can't function that way. And I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that I buy into texting and social media really making us lonely and depressed. I would take it to the place of we are lonely and depressed, and it, it gets exaggerated by social media. Um, I do. I've always said this, that we as a, as a culture in generally are lonely and depressed. That is why we drink. That is why we uh, use porn. That is why we so many people do so many. This is a this is a culture of distraction. It's everything we well, can do to get us out of the house and not think about the things that are the core of who we are. Uh, and I just find that um, it incredibly is incredibly accurate when we look at our lives and we just say this statement, even from the headline of your article, Greg, is that. Is texting and social media, um, those two items together or separate, really making us lonely and depressed? And then you look at your life and you say, well, I don't care if it's making us it, but it most certainly is a contributing factor because it is it. Well, let's, I, I would say the porn is kind of its own, its own little tangent, but what you're saying is is absolutely right i think i think that is a better way to put it uh, it's not necessarily that it's making us um making us lonely and depressed it but it does make us feel like we're lonely and depressed and you're absolutely right it does exaggerate what what is actually there because when you actually when you look at the at the numbers for the studies uh when it talks about people who are uh who are depressed because they because they use a lot of social media, they're not saying that if you use social media just a little bit or don't use it at all, you never become depressed. Um, it, what they're saying is you're is that you are three times more likely to develop a depressive episode if you use social media three or more hours a day. They're also saying that if you are constantly texting people instead of actually talking to them, you report that you feel a lot more isolated. And that very quickly goes away when you start calling people. So these are all fairly temporary 
reversible conditions. So it all sounds very dire and it all sounds very complicated and it all sounds like an insurmountable problem. But the reality is that you can very easily make the changes that are necessary to start feeling better. And it doesn't mean that your life is going to be utopia if you limit your social media use to a couple hours a day and you start calling your friends, but you'll definitely feel better. You'll definitely feel more connected. You'll definitely feel more upbeat. You'll have the distraction from, um, you'll, you'll have that distraction from that, that constant doom scrolling that, we have nowadays. But, and another important thing though is if people do leave social media altogether, because we have so much of our news being shared on social media, you do tend to become happier, much happier. But the reason is that you don't actually know what's going on in the world because you're ignoring the news. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to have that, you still have to have that, that balance. You can't, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is bliss up until the point where the things you don't know come up and smack you in the face. Well, I put this on it too, is um, nobody's saying that there's anything wrong, right? There's nobody saying there's anything wrong with drinking or anything wrong with doom scrolling or, or whatever. The reality is, is that it seems to be the more that we do these kinds of things, the, the bigger impact they have on our lives. That's it. I'm not saying that anything is wrong. But, and I think the best example of that is covers all of these things. One of the biggest growing marketplaces places right now in all things retail, one of the uh, highest demand items through COVID. And it has been this sort of secret lurker of loneliness for a very long time. And it is skyrocketing is pets. And pets have become more and more important. Now, clearly, there's nothing wrong with having pets. They keep us company, they give us a little snuggle, we get that sense of touch, we got someone to talk to, we get all these things, right? So it's, there's no, this is a perfect example, because no one's saying, um, that there's anything wrong with pets. It's just call the spade a spade and just, it's okay to love your dog. It's okay to have your cat that keeps you company. That's perfect. But it is what it is. And it's okay to sit back and say, you know what? I think I'm lonely and my pet helps me. And I think that that's where we put the credit really in the right place, right? That's where the momentum goes is when we look at things like after I spend time on social media, I feel really kind of crappy about my life. Um, yeah, and I think that we just I, need to I call like to, it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like to compare it. I do actually like to compare social medias to alcohol. Um, I love a nice beer every once in a while. Um, but I also know that if I drink too much, I'm going to get drunk and then I'm going to regret it. So it's the same thing. You know, the moderation is really moderation is the key to a whole lot of things in life. And, it definitely is one of those um, one of those important things to keep in mind with social media, and you know it, when it comes to issues of people being of people being lonely or isolated, um, there are things they're going to have to deal with. Just in general, uh, even yeah. if they even if they do call more people, even if they do limit their 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 time, um, but you know, like I said, at least they can start the process. Yeah. Um, Let's be that's willing that's to do really the, the important work, right? part. Yeah, yeah it, it, feels, it feels overwhelming. Yeah, it feels overwhelming, but you you just you can start and you can and you can make that change. Greg Fish, worldofweirdthings.com. You can check out his podcast and his articles about this. And if you're curious about your use of social media and texting, and uh, if you're feeling a little bit blue, uh, check out the article at worldofweirdthings.com. See if you recognize anything in there. Remember, there's nothing bad or wrong with this, but we want to knock it out. We're not here to just be normal shift heads that hang out at nighttime. We're here to uh, crush it, man, make change. We, that's what we're doing. We're, we're having an impact on all of our own lives collectively by encouraging each other. Thanks so much, Greg. Always a pleasure. It's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan Osiris O'Donnell. Ding. Thank you. All right. I got a special but potentially stinky tweet for you. Tweet of the day. You're probably not going to guess where my tweet of the day is coming from. Today's tweet is courtesy of Bush's Beans. What? Yep. Yeah, you heard that right. You know, like... 
just Bush's beans, the brands, the the beans you see, the cans, uh, the just beans, right? Right. Magical now you're probably fruit. wondering. Th- thank you. You're probably wondering, Ryan, why? Oh, why is that here? Well, it's funny, you know, because the Simpsons made fun of it. It's the magical fruit. Ah. I got another clip there, Matt. There it is. religious school, so be very careful about what you say and do here. No problemo. Now, Bart, uh, since you're new here, perhaps you'd favor us with a psalm. How about Beans, Beans, the Musical Fruit? Well, uh, beans were a staple of the Israelites. Yes, per se. Beans, Beans, the Musical Fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. Avert your eyes, children. He may take on other farms. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love The Simpsons. Yes, the magical fruit. Well, Bush's Beans uh, has a humorous Twitter account that is above just the Beans song. So I would like to highlight for you a couple of tweets. December 28th, 2020. You know how people can uh, create an image using underscores, dashes, and brackets if they space it out? Well, they did a giant one that just says 2021. And then in the middle of the 2021, it just says, in all caps, more tweets about beans. Okay? <laughs> it's it's an interesting choice for a tweet. But it goes, this, this is incredible. Okay? Going a little bit further back. Christmas. Reminder. Santa is tired of cookies. Leave a delicious can of Bush's beans instead. He needs the protein. Smart. Okay? Smart, right? But they are really focused on the beans here Uh, on New Year's Eve. It's a tweet. It's got the New Year's Eve and then dropping the ball. And then it says that one time I forgot to eat my beans. And then it just says drop the ball. It just keeps going. But my favorite one is that they keep tweeting about beans at themselves. December 31st, my New Year's resolution is to eat a whole bunch of beans. Six hours later, it tweets at itself. Just the word done. (laughs) And on, yeah, I love it. And on the second new year, new tweets still about beans though. Beans are a weird thing. People on the internet, my age, like to just use beans as a joke and bushes, uh, has clearly jumped on the bandwagon, but it just gave me such a surprising look when I, I saw this tweet about beans and thought it was from one of my friends. And then I looked and saw the verify tags and had to hold up and sure enough, Bush's beans bring in some Twitter comedy. Cool beans, man. Thank you. I was waiting for one of you to do that. Oh my God. I was like, really? How long do I have to wait for that? I left the door wide open, Matt. Thank you. Did. you. Hey-o. You did. Save the Thank day. Thank you. He saved my day. All right. I have some very nerdy news for anyone who is a fan of the Caped Crusader. A famous actor is once again donning the bat suit. Don't kill me, man! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Yeah. Yes. Michael Keaton. My favorite actor of all time. Not my favorite Batman, fun fact. He is my favorite Bruce Wayne, 100%. But he will be returning as Batman. So DC is going ham on their uh their schedule of films here they are busting out as much batman content as possible now you may be thinking ryan isn't robert pattinson going to be in a batman movie well yes listener he is this is another batman movie and the idea here is that there will be a universe of batman and dc films that will all be connected you know, they happen in different universes, but they happen at the same time. And then, you know, the universes cross. Marvel's going to start doing it. All the universes are going to start doing it. It's how a studio can make three Batman movies in a year with three different actors. It's brilliant. Easy money. But here's why I'm excited. He's not going to be just the side Batman. Michael Keaton will be the main Batman of the entire DC cinematic universe. Which is insane. Ooh. Seems like a lot the of reason- Batman. It's a lot. There's never too much Batman. I I think Batman is the best. But here's why I'm excited. Keaton is older, which that doesn't mean he can't play a good Batman because the greatest Batman story ever 
is The Dark Knight Returns. Frank Miller's graphic novel is a masterpiece, and the film adaptation of it is incredible. The adaptation, for just a little bit of context, is the, the book is about Bruce Wayne in his 50s. He has come out of retirement to tackle crime as Gotham has descended into madness, and he also fights Superman, who now serves Ronald Reagan as some kind of super soldier. The whole book is a commentary on the Cold War, the politics of the time, and it's told through the lens of Batman. It's amazing. And do you want to hear something even cooler I'm going to play for you as a treat? In the movie adaptation, guess who plays Batman? Uh, Batman 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 8. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I'll give you a hint. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Oh, uh, Peter Weller, Robocop. Peter Weller, Robocop himself, plays Batman, and he is, I'm not joking, my favorite Batman ever. Here's a clip from his epic battle with Superman that is the inspiration for Batman versus Superman, the Zack Snyder film from a few years ago. It wasn't easy to make, Clark. It took years and cost a fortune. Luckily, I had both. You're feeling it now, aren't you? What the rest of us live with every day. Your own mortality. Don't worry, you'll survive. The kryptonite will work its way out of your lungs soon enough. Bruce, your heart. But I didn't have to go easy on you. A different binding agent, a stronger mix. I want you to remember that. I wanted to remind you to stay out of my way. In all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Whoa. The most badass moment. He can in read anything, and I would listen yeah. to it. Oh, I know. Peter Weller is so underrated as a voice actor. Yeah. And seriously, it is animated. However, it is a very rated R adaptation. Uh, so it's very adult. But The Dark Knight Returns is an amazing movie, amazing book. I am really hoping that with Michael Keaton being in his... Uh, I, I'm actually not sure. He's got to be in his late 50s, early 60s by now. But him playing Batman, that more harder, gri grizzly, grizzly uh, Batman... Uh, who maybe serves as a mentor for Robert. Uh, there's the, the possibilities are endless, but me as a Batman fan, I lost my mind today. I'm so excited to see what DC does uh, regardless of what they do. Getting to see more Michael Keaton. We only got two movies with him as Batman and he deserves more, far more than uh, some of the other Batmans who have donned the Cape. George Clooney. Yeah. Oh, the worst. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember I'm Batman excited. and Robin? You remember that? Uh, the bat nipples and the bat credit card. Arnold I remember the bat nipples and the bat credit card. I remember yeah. the conversation about it. But I like I've never been the huge movie guy like you are, right? So for me, it's kind of mm. like I would watch it at a friend's place because it was on and I saw the last ten minutes. It's time to chill. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> That's a real line from the movie before he puts like some skates on and fly. It's great. It's a have a beer and watch that movie. It's a lot of fun. Right. Uh, so. Let's move on to something a little bit more interesting. I'm actually curious about what you guys think and the shift heads think. A rock and roll legend made a pretty hot take when it comes to rock and roll a few years ago. Back in 2014, he made the statement that rock and roll was dead. Any guesses or do you guys remember who that was? Rock and roll is dead. Don't worry. I have a clip and we'll play it and you'll know exactly who it is the second it starts. Oh, I think I know. Oh, yes. man. Gene Simmons. Whew. Long time ago, what feels like a long time ago, he said that rock and roll was dead. However, he has now doubled down on that claim in a new interview saying there are popular bands, but that doesn't mean they're iconic and a legacy band. He says rock is dead, and that's because new bands haven't taken the time to create glamour, excitement, and epic stuff. He says, I mean, the Foo Fighters are a terrific band. But that's a 20-year-old band, so you can go back to 1958 until 1988. That's 30 years. 
During that time, we had Elvis, the Beatles, Hendrix, Rolling Stones, on and on. And he was asked if he thinks today's acts will be considered iconic. He says, I doubt it. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with him. Here's the thing. There's some good rock and roll out there. There's some acts that are playing rock music and are making it uh, their own and it's good, but they will, I just don't think, I don't think we're going to get iconic rock and roll for a long time until it makes some kind of resurgence. But it's kind of interesting to see one of its greatest legends make such a bold claim about it uh, in that kind of way. I mean, he hasn't been making music for a long time now, but I did an interview with him and I asked him at the time. It was probably 2003. It's great. I got to spend the whole afternoon with him downtown Toronto. Um, And I was I asked him, I said, who is the best rock band out right now with the brightest future? You know what his answer was? What? Jet. (laughs) No, <laughs> they had one. Oh man, they only had one song. That yeah, was, they had uh, one big song and a couple other uh, bubbling under songs. And because oh. I remember, and his response was, "They're amazing." Like, are you gonna be like, oh, got a rock an and roll like song? And he, uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, that was a whiff. Anyway, <laughs> that was his it's comment. A good point. It's a good point. But here's the thing: if you can email me, you know, and and send me bands that you think could be considered iconic i'm i'm curious because i'm a big fan of of rock and and heavy metal i think there's a lot of heavy metal bands interesting that are modern that will be considered iconic in the metal scene yeah uh, 20 years from now but rock and roll yikes not so much i just uh, i wanted to address some quick texts on the batman stuff before it ends michael keaton will be 70 on september 5th uh He's wow, but I don't care. As long as we get to see him beat the crap out of the Joker, I will take it. And this from Glenn, it would be awesome for a flashpoint paradox like the animated movie where Batman is actually his father, Thomas Wayne. It's a great alternate universe. Check that book out. It's a fantastic story. And uh, all the tweet, I got a lot of text about beans as well. Magical question, Ryan, <laughs> why do beans make you fluff? Uh, I don't know. However, my dad made uh, beans and wieners, you know, cut up hot dogs and beans. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom would make excuses to go to the grocery store on those days where beans and wieners was lunch. Yeah. So thank you, Catherine. Um, wow. I Okay. So for everyone who has no idea what just happened with all of those Batmans, I'm with you. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I think it's okay to say if you, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, I don't either. High five. Ryan loves it. We love it with Ryan. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.